This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by, of course, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Honda, Steve Zockey, along with the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski. How are you doing, sir? Oh, happy Halloween, Steve! It's what a beautiful day today. It really is. It, it, it's it's a good day, and it's also a great day to uh, get out the Great Lakes Dragway because yes, they are open today. Uh, open test and tune from 10 a.m. till dusk uh, today, and uh, get get some racing in before the uh, season is over. So, uh, Great Lakes Dragway is open. They're in fact uh, open yesterday too. I tell you what, though, the way the weather looks. Uh, uh, looks like they're going to be open for at least another week or so, Jeff. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be warm a lot next week as well. And, uh, you know, we deserve it because we know the hell that's coming. So don't uh, <laughs> don't delay. Get out to Great Lakes today because there's not a whole lot of good days left. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> winter is coming, as they used to say on the on the Game of Thrones TV show. So, uh, but yeah, it, it it's a good. I, I'm happy because I'm getting stuff done in the yard and uh, working. At, you know, it, it's it's this time of the year, Jeff, when uh, especially us as homeowners are wishing the leaves off the tree so we can get rid of them. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fall while you the know, weather's nice. <laughs> yeah, fall off because it's going to be 60 tomorrow. Oh, I hope all you right. guys drop tonight, you know? Exactly, exactly. So uh, uh, lots of stuff happening. Of course, we had the 72 hours of uh, Texas, and, and we got Martinsville this weekend. But NASCAR uh, released this Xfinity uh, schedule. And uh, guess what? Road America is going to be on there. So it's going to be a busy weekend, of course, at Road America, 4th of July weekend, because we're going to have the Xfinity Series uh, on Saturday once again, July 3rd, and then the Cup Series on Sunday, July 4th. So, uh, wow, what a weekend that is uh, turning out to be, Jeff. Yeah, it's going to be phenomenal. You know, we all know that uh, 
here in Wisconsin, we got the Green Bay Packers, who are the true America's team. And uh, and now we've got just a jam-packed weekend in NASCAR at a gorgeous racetrack in Wisconsin on America's holiday. So it's just fitting, and uh, I'm pumped, man. I uh, I'm excited for it, and I you know you know that place is going to be jam-packed and rocking and a good old time. And bring it on. We all need it after all the crap we've been through in 2020 so far. Certainly can, uh, certainly will be too. Uh, yeah, and some, uh, it, not too many surprises, not as much as the Cups uh, schedule uh, regarding, you know, shaking things up. But there is some things that I did find interesting looking at this schedule. Of course, uh, leading off uh, Saturday, uh, uh, February 13th at Daytona, then they go, you know, they pretty much mirror the, the Cup Series most of the time uh, with uh, Homestead, uh, Auto Club Speedway in California, uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta. Uh, then I thought this was interesting. They got two off weeks uh, back-to-back in uh, March 27th and April 3rd. April 3rd is Easter weekend. Uh, Easter, is, that's a traditional weekend off anyways, but I thought it was interesting. They, they put those two back-to-back uh, just in case there might be a problem yet uh, next year with uh, with everything that's going on with COVID and whatnot. So I thought that was interesting. And then they do Martinsville on April 9th and then another off week on the 19th. So I thought it was just kind of interesting. You got uh, – and then, and then Talladega, then another off week. So you got one, two, three, four off weeks in six weeks uh, between March and uh, May 1st. So uh, it's just kind of giving you a little flexibility, aren't they, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, everybody, I think, kind of is in the mode where January 1st, 2021, all of a sudden, you know, this uh, this hell that's been raining over us is going to go away, and we all know that that's not going to happen. COVID's going to be around for a long time. And, uh, you know, it, it's how we deal with it, and, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly uh, optimistic, and I think that, uh, you know, my, my youngest son has been back at full-time school five days a week now for about two or three weeks. And um, not next week, but the week after, my uh, my middle ki- uh, kid is supposed to be in person five days. So, yes, you know, there's a surge and all this kind of crap that they're telling you, but things seem to be moving forward. And uh, But, we, you know, we don't know where we're going to be next year. So I think they're smart to do it this way. We talked about the NFL season and how if they were, you know, had the four uh, – the the foresight to sit there and put back-to-back off weeks, give everybody their normal buy, but then, you know, like week eight or nine or both, just every team right. is off. Then you can sit there and, and fill in makeup games if you need it. We, we see what's happened with, uh, with the Badgers football team where it seems like everybody mm-hmm. and their brother is infected with it. So, uh, you know, they're starting a fourth-string uh, fourth quarterback so it, uh, you know, I, it offers them a, lot, a ton of flexibility, and it, to me, it's great foresight for next season. Certainly is, and then also, and I, I forgot about this, uh, to be honest, is uh, the weekend of July 24th and July 31st they're off uh, because they're an they're an NBC product now, and, and they the NBC's running the Olympics uh, those two weeks, so uh, there'll be a break uh, during the summer for that. Yeah, that's different. You know, you're used to hockey going on a uh, hiatus for the Olympics and and stuff like that, but you've never had uh, 
had NASCAR have to go on a uh, Olympic break. So it's uh, it's different, but uh, but cool all in the same. And I'm a big Olympic fan, so I watch uh, a lot more of it than I should. But um, you know, I love it, so I'm I'm excited. I'm back. I don't know if you knew that, but I went off for a second. Nope, I didn't know. I was so, I was just well, rambling. I'm, you know, I, I'm still still learning earbuds, and and apparently, you know, one is slipping out a little bit, so I push it in, and then it goes quiet. I'm like, oh, I I just turned it off. So, <laughs> hey, well, uh, the design that's not the best design, you know, because yeah, they do occasionally do fall out. I'm I'm gonna have to do the old Dale Earnhardt Senior and just put a piece of duct tape over my ear like he used to. Yeah, put why the helmet not? On, right. Why not? That's how my wife walks around the house, so she doesn't have to hear me. She's got duct tape around her ears, so uh, you know I wouldn't take offense, Steve. I'm used to it. Um, Texas, wow. I mean, I got to give credit to everybody involved with that. I, I I've been involved with rainouts at the track and that, and they're not fun. I mean, they're fun maybe a little bit, especially if you're hanging out with a bunch of buddies and you get to do some bench racing and just hang out for a little bit. But when you know when you have to come back, uh, luckily for me, I've only been involved with stuff at Milwaukee. And then, and then like I remember we did a, a, an IndyCar race in 2000, uh, which we had to run on a Monday. And uh, so that was that was one. But otherwise, I, in the past, I've just just you know say hey. I'm out of here, and uh, but you know I guess it, it, case in point with with NASCAR, it's almost a good thing that they're limited so much with the media now and that because I, I think they would have you know most of them would have been gone anyways, but uh, yeah that, that that is really I mean tough to be <laughs> rain out Sunday, rain out Monday, rain out Tuesday you know uh, just incredible and and I was looking at the the radar Jeff I don't know if you saw this too. But you could see that it wasn't a rain, but you saw this real kind of light blue. It was just like this mist. It, it was just, and we we've had that here, of course, in Milwaukee. Sometimes you know you get those days in in late March, early April, or, or in late fall where it's not really raining, but you can actually just see the mist just kind of turning around in the air. It, it just miserable weather, wasn't it, Jeff? It sure was. You know, it seemed like uh, the weekend in Texas lasted about two and a half weeks, and you know, I'd sit there and uh, you know, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get it in tomorrow, starting at uh, at 10 a.m. or something like that. So I'd set up my DVR to record, you know, basically all day, and then they'd call that day, so I had to race all that, and then, you know, do it again the next day, and re- you know, rinse and repeat. But uh, you know, it was good that they finally got it in. And, uh, you know, what a hell of a finish, uh, you know, with Harrison Burton. Um, you know, it, it seemed like, you know, it, there was so much excitement after that finish. And then to sit there and wait, you know, basically four days for it to get back going uh, seemed like a, a buzzkill at the end there. But, uh, yeah, they did a good job getting it in. And, uh, you know, finally but uh, better late than never. Yeah, and uh, Kyle Busch, of course, you know, usually, I, I don't know. I, it, 
does it matter to you if if it's not a playoff driver uh, that wins when it's starting to be? I, I I have a feeling that the powers to be in Daytona don't really like it. They'd rather have a a, a play you know somebody involved in the playoffs winning the race, obviously. But in this case, it's kind of interesting because you had uh you know your defending champion just struggling, just having a bad year, and and every you know if you if you're gonna race long enough, and, and Kyle Busch is. You know, has had a long enough career. You're 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 just gonna have careers like this. You're just gonna have a, a year where just everything just is, you know, down down in the in the toilet. And it was it was kind of cool though. Is you know how many times have we seen Kyle Busch in Victory Lane winning his you know three hundred thousandth uh, truck race or Xfinity race? And yeah, yeah, great job. You know, blah blah. You know, it's it's real happenstance. But you can tell. He really wanted it and really enjoyed this win, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He got to keep his streak alive at 13 or 14, you know, years in a row that he's won at least one race. And, uh, you know, we all sat there and predicted, uh, you know, that he was eventually going to win. You know, it's been since Homestead of last year, uh, the final race of the year. So, um, you know, since he was last in victory lane, it was, it looked like a huge relief. And you could see, you know, and I'm with you, Steve, you know, when you see Kyle Busch and, you know, he's in victory lane in the Xfinity series or the truck series, and it just seems like he's doing an interview, you know, and it's the last place he wants to be. And, yes, he's sort of happy, but you could tell, like, you know, it really doesn't mean much. That's kind of uh, uninspiring, shall we say, Um when you see the true excitement, you know, when you saw Harrison Burton in victory lane and just how happy he was, you saw the dejection from Noah Gregson after blowing that race last week and uh, and just how much of a gut punch and how gut-wrenching that was for him. You know, that's true emotion. That's the, uh, you know, that's, that's what's great about NASCAR. And uh, to see that out of Kyle Busch, who... You know, we've seen him finish second place in the Cup Series and be pissed off. And, uh, you know, you saw it with the car tomorrow where he sat there and won a race. And, oh, you know, congratulations. That was great, wasn't it? Oh, the car sucks. Everything sucks, you know, and all that. So, <laughs> you know, it was funny that uh, it, was, it was a nice change of pace. And it shows you just how much Kyle Busch, you know, truly loves the sport. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 it's... There, there, there's always situational racing, um, if that makes sense, uh, and storylines that come about. And in this case, you're you're racing on a Wednesday. You just want to get this thing done. Was it the best race ever? No. In fact, it was pretty boring. But you just wanted to get it done. But there were a couple components that were interesting, and I thought it was really cool the way Adam Stevens, his crew chief, and that they were managing that race and trying to save gas at the end. And you're you're gonna have fuel mileage races and whatnot, and and you have Martin Truex who's been running basically his face almost circles around Kyle Busch most of the year. I mean he's kind of coming on strong. It'll be interesting to see what develops tomorrow for for Martin Truex who's run so well at Mart at Martinsville. But we'll 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 tackle that next segment. Uh, but so I mean there was some di- there were some interesting dynamics towards the end of that race. How is it gonna work out? Is he gonna get his race? You know, and so in that case, it, it's fine. You just want to get it over with, and it was yeah. It, you want to see that raw emotion, but uh, let's let's take a quick break because I I want to go back to this this Xfinity race on Saturday, which 
I think I think Jeff, you might agree with me. Over the last few uh, over the last few weeks, Xfinity series has just been phenomenal. They've been really putting in some great races with some great drivers, and uh, uh, finally, the, it, it's bearing the fruits that we said it would that it would if they if they just kept on trying to develop their own drivers in that series. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more NASCAR on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobsonda, Steve Zaki, along with the Polish Pipe Bomb. Got a full show today talking NASCAR course the first hour. Uh, after the bottom of the hour, we'll bring in Dennis Michelson from uh, D-Mike Media and get the latest and talk more about NASCAR. Uh, top of the hour, we got IndyCar, and then we have Eddie Lapine checking in from RacingNation.com. Lots of stuff going on in IMSA as they are out in California, and, of course, Formula One. And we'll play three questions with Larry Janicek to close out the, out the show, so lots of stuff happening. And, uh, Jeff, I, I, I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, the Xfinity race at Texas last Saturday. Uh, it was incredible. One of the more incredible finishes, and it, it, it it's you know the the raw emotion between uh, the the kind of haves and haves not in that was just incredible. It's it, it was the ultimate uh, the old uh, ABC uh, sports you know the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, wasn't it? Oh, it sure was. And you know you were a thousand percent right. You sat there and said that the Xfinity series for about the last month, maybe six weeks has been the most exciting series. And when have we ever said that in the past, I've been uh, lucky enough to, uh, to be doing the show with you for a few years here. And we have never said that. So they definitely got it turned around. I think that a big part is, uh, you know, uh, severely limiting the amount of races that the cup drivers can get in. You can see the development uh, with some of these drivers and, uh, you know, just a phenomenal finish. And, you know, it's funny because when, uh, when we're watching races on the weekend, a little peek behind the curtain here, you know, me and you text sometimes like, Oh my God, you see that? Or, Oh, that guy's an idiot. Uh, I didn't want to text you during that <laughs> Xfinity race. Cause I didn't want to have to look down at my phone. It was that exciting to sit there and watch it. And I did not. There is no way in hell that I thought Harrison Burton was going to catch Gregson and get that win. No, and you know I, I always get a kick out of it because you know let's face it the the guys doing the TV are trying to sell they're trying to sell ratings they don't want viewers to turn off so you know it's the same thing with football games you know oh you know there's a chance the Jaguars can come back from this deficit you know and they're just trying to keep viewers it's it, it it's just a part of sports uh, media that that happens but and we'll we'll and I always get a kick when they start doing that you know with five laps to go. You know, don't worry about it. I mean, we're going to stick out to the end of the race. You don't have to sell me 
a race that I know it's over and all this guy has to do is finish his laps. But in this case, you know, there was like, well, he's coming and, you know, Burton had to get around uh, Anthony Alfredo at the end. And, and you were like, okay, well, is he going to hold him up? And how many times have we seen that where it's frustrating where there's a guy with new tires or something and he's just blasting through the field as he gets towards the front. There's, you know, he can't get around that one guy. So, you know, maybe if you would have had one more lap, you might've been a, you know, might've been a battle for, for, for the win. Uh, but in this case, it, it was incredible. And, and, and Noah Gregson, you know, just was devastated. He's racing for his life at this point. And, and I, I guess maybe some criticism, you know, these are young drivers in that, you know, should the spotter been in his ear saying, Hey, he's coming, he's coming, watch your land line, you know, going into turn three, this and that. I, I, I think sometimes with some drivers and if I'm a driver, I don't want a guy blasting in my ear, telling me how to drive my car. And, but there are certain things that, I, I think with some drivers, if they're if they're happy with it, fine. But you know, in in that case, you know, though sometimes the, the spotters, I think this is very helpful. Is well, the guys are making better time on the you know try the high line this way, you know, try you know try try different ways around it. And in this case, I I think it would have helped them a lot if they would have said, hey, this guy's coming, you know, try and keep it low because that's where he's been the quickest. And with him maybe try driving, maybe driving, overdriving that final corner, Jeff uh, pushed him in the high, and Burton was able to just drive away and take the win. Yeah, you know, like I said, I was I was so shocked when when he took that checkered flag that I texted you right away, and I said, Steve, you know, did, was Noah just hot dogging it on the on the last lap? And and you're like, no, he just overdrove uh, turn four, and uh, you know it was it was so surprising because he had, you know, he had a second and a half or second lead, uh, you know, on that last lap, and to sit there and and overdrive the the last corner, you know, that is that's kind of like a Bill Buckner kind of choke job in in my opinion, you know, uh, I. Like I said, I thought at the time that he was just straight hot dogging it, and uh, oh yeah, you know I'll I'll make it close, but uh, you know I can let off here and and just kind of you know kind of coast to the win, and well that sure as hell didn't happen, and you know it. Um, I I've talked a lot about Noah Gregson. I I think that the kid's got talent. I think he's a good driver. I think he's in phenomenal equipment, and he's completely underperformed. I think that uh, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, and I've said it before, but uh, you know, I don't think that he's he's got the brain power for. Uh, I don't think he's smart enough to sit there and excel uh, on a week in week out basis. Uh, you know, it seems like little uh, bumping and banging and, and and stuff like that gets in his head. I think that uh, you know his biggest problem is himself, and it's not the equipment. It's not you know, uh, the, the track, the weather or whatever, I think, you know, his biggest problem is in his head. And maybe if he gets with the sports psychologist or something like that, maybe he can, he can be phenomenal, but I, you know, it was great. And I don't sit there and it was, it was not just the, the last, you know, 10 laps when, uh, when Burton was trying to chase him down, it was, you know, the last 80, 85 laps of that race were edge of your seat type stuff. And, um, 
it was great. And then, uh, you know, if you stuck with the post-race show, Anthony Alfredo brings it home third, good old fast pasta, best nickname in NASCAR. And uh, he called, he calls his fans the sauce mafia, which I love as well. So, you know, yeah, you definitely cheer for, uh, for Anthony Alfredo, but you want to talk about raw emotion as well. And it was out of him because, you know, he had another great finish. I think he's having a, a very fine season for himself, but he's not locked into a ride uh, next season either. And, you know, emotions got the best of him and you saw tears running down his face because, you know, it's the second or the, the third to last race of the year. And he gets a third place finish and he has no, no job for next year yet. And it's got to be frustrating and the pressure and it just has to weigh on you. And, you know, it definitely came out after Texas. So, you know, it was, it was amazing in that post-race show to see the overwhelming joy of Harrison Burton, to see somebody who just had their heart ripped out of their body Indiana Jones style in Noah Gregson and then you got Fast Pasta who had one hell of a finish and you know unemployed as of now for next season and uh, to see the tears and and pure emotion out of him it was it's everything that's right with NASCAR well and, and I hope that you know any uh, you know car owners and sponsors listening I'm, I'm sure there's just thousands of them listening to the show right now in Charlotte but no, but but seriously though, I I hope for for his sake, for Gregson's sake, that that it, it, it you know whatever decision is made on his career going moving forward is based on how what how he's driving and how they think he's going to develop, and not by that epic f bomb he dropped in the post race interview, which was, I mean. It was out there. I mean, you couldn't avoid it, but I mean, that's raw emotion, and that that that's going to happen. And you know, I I always say when judging somebody, put yourself in that situation. And I can tell you, you and I, at 21 years old, putting putting us in that high pressure situation, shoving a microphone in our face, God knows what we would have said at at that age. So you know, I'm not going to criticize them too much about that. That was just. You know, like, like you like you could say, you could see the raw emotion there. So, I mean, let, let, let's let's judge him on his driving, and and how you th- feel he's going to be in the future in that, and not just on a slip of the tongue. Yeah, and anybody who has a problem with what he said, you know, yes, you know, I'm sure there's people out there, definitely not me, that have a problem with swearing. Uh, you know, every time uh, we go to commercial break, I sit there and exhale because, you know, if I can get through a segment without accidentally slipping an F-bomb or something, that's a, that's quite an achievement for me. Um, but, you know, if, if you have a problem that, you know, he dropped an F-bomb on TV right after he just had his heart ripped out, then, you know, you, you must not have ever competed in anything. Or you're one of those strange people that, you know, just is their competitive level is zero percent. Because if you have half a heart, half a heartbeat and you're a sports fan, you know what that kid is going through. You know how much that has to hurt him. And so I don't see how anybody can complain about that. Uh, You know, also little Timmy heard a bad word. Well, he'll get over it and maybe that'll teach him, uh, you know 
teach them an important lesson. Uh, you can spin it the right way to teach them an important lesson down the road. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, one hell of a race. What a show. And then, like I said, it was just disappointing that they couldn't build on the momentum of that phenomenal finish. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was funny right. in, the, in the cup race, you know, uh, the, the, the cup week, that Clint Boyer led that race for, what, three days? And and uh, I, he he didn't win, but he had the lead for about you know three or four days. <laughs> um, we'll be taking a quick break here, talking to Dennis Michelson coming up here after the break. But before we do, uh, I just wanted to see NBC's uh, Sports Network on their NASCAR side has their NBC Sports Power Rankings. Have you ever really noticed that or taken note of that, Jeff? Uh, rarely, you know, um, we all know who's at, you know, if you watch and you pay attention, you know, who's, who's climbing and who's falling. I don't need to, you know, read somebody else's opinion on, you know, when they're going to say what I already know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I just thought it was interesting. They, they, they have Alex Bowman as number one. Yeah, that's, he's been running good. He's been running. He's been good. running good, but is he the top dog? Hell no, he's not. No, you know, see, I, that's why I don't understand this, you know. And then they have Martin Truex, you know, second. Well, I, I mean, you know, and then they got Logano third, Harvick fifth, Chase Elliott, or Harvick fourth, Chase Elliott fifth, then Ryan Blaney sixth. It's clickbait, I mean, you know. And, and yeah, exactly. And we're idiots for talking about it. <laughs> it's clickbait. If, if that's going to be your top five or top six, you know, even after, you know, like if you, if we were doing this show tonight at, at ten o'clock after I've had, uh, you know, a, a handful, couple dozen adult beverages, I still couldn't come up with the list that bad. So yeah, you know, it's... either he was picking them out of the hat. Or drunk off his ass because that list is ridiculous. Yeah, I just I don't I, I don't know. You know, but, you think Bowman without a win today? You think he's going to advance? Hell no. And no. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. He, you know, he uh, he's got one hell of a shot to win uh, tomorrow. That's the only way he advances. So you know, Chase Elliott's been struggling mightily the last few weeks. He had a horrible finish. Uh, a, a couple weeks ago and everything like that. So you want to sit there and throw him, you know, high into the into the the top five, top six. You know, come on, give me a break. That, that's just it, it, it's bad all around. Yeah, I got a kick out of uh, you know, and this is just a talking head TV thing. But you know, they say, well, Kyle Petty says the pressure's on Martin Truex. I'm like, what? I said, Martin Truex has already won a championship. The pressure should be on Denny Hamlin. He's the one sitting there without a championship. I don't. And if Denny Hamlin doesn't win the title this year with all the wins that he has so far, you know, you enter the playoffs basically knowing the only bad thing with Kyle Busch winning last week, I thought it would have been phenomenal if Truex would have won. Because then you had Logano and Truex that were both below the cut line getting in. And then you have Harvick and Hamlin who have dominated this entire season. And if somebody besides those four that was still in the playoffs won, I thought, you know, because you know me, I'm a fan of chaos. I thought it would have been phenomenal uh, if, like, you know, say, you know, somebody else won uh, tomorrow. 
and Denny Hamlin missed Phoenix. You know, it would have shown you basically everything that's wrong with the way that they do the playoffs in NASCAR. Right. But I sure as hell would have got a kick out of it. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been interesting. But yeah, I don't understand. I mean, that, that once again, that's just. And, and you can see this in some of these talking head shows on, you know, you know, you know, they, you know, in the pre-show meeting, somebody ended up, well, it's drew the short straw and had to take that argument and they, they can't even argue it well because it's so ridiculous, but I know. No, I, I, I just think the pressure's on Hamlin. Let me give credit really quick in the truck race last night at Martinsville. You know, we make a lot of fun of uh, Michael Waltrip and the character that he plays and how much of an idiot he sounds like. I give him a ton of credit for giving the TV and camera guys and all that uh, as much credit as he did because, with the sh- you know, being stuck in Texas with the four-day rain delay, uh, you, you run on Wednesday and then you got to sit there and, and, you know, sure. boogie straight to Martinsville and get ready and get going again. Great job, tip of the hat, and I, I you know, I, I make fun of him and, and everything like that, and I think he's he's painful to listen to when he's playing that character, but uh, I got to give him credit for, for the shout-out for the crew. Yeah, you know what, to be honest, uh, I, I did notice uh, yes, last night watching the truck race, which we'll talk with uh, Dennis Michelson coming up here in just a moment, uh, I, I actually thought he, he – he, probably had his best performance of the year last night at Martinsville during the truck race where he, because he, he wasn't trying to be that character. He was just, I I don't know if somebody talked to him and maybe tell him to just settle down a little bit, but I've always said, you know, regular, you know, normal Michael Waltrip is tolerable, but the, 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 the character Michael Waltrip is just is getting to be unbearable, and I thought last night he, he actually did a, a good job and was actually doing some decent analysis uh, of the race last night. So it's good yeah, to know, he isn't was it? Better, he was yeah. better. Um, I thought it was interesting that I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was while I was watching the race, I'm like, he's not as obnoxious tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> go figure. All right, Jeff, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media, talk more about the truck race and uh, kind of exciting results. And and uh, I want to talk about two other things with, with Dennis. I want to talk about perhaps the lack of respect. A lot of these younger drivers in these junior series are showing each other in NASCAR. And then also, the I guess you can call it a little bit of controversy of uh, manufacturer driver development programs coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. They are open today in this seasonably, I guess, uh, better than seasonable fall weather. Uh, today uh, for their test and tune sessions. And also, I forgot to mention, they're running their Halloween grass drag races at Great Lakes Dragway. So make sure lots of stuff to go and do at Great Lakes Dragway today. And also, I'd like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the best in new and certified used Hondas at davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from DMAC Media, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. 
Oh, it's great to be here, Steve. I hope my voice sounds okay today because of the Illinois new mandates on the COVID-19 restrictions to kill the economy. I mean, to kill the disease. I'm having to wear a mask while I'm doing this broadcast since the broadcast is going up to Wisconsin. That's how crazy uh. things have gotten down here in Illinois. So I apologize. <laughs> It's all hey, don't feel bad, Dennis. I'm with you. I got the mask on. I got the face shield on. I got the goggles on. My armored underwear, all that. I'm, I'm well protected. And uh, you know, I, I plan. I bought one of those. You know, since I'm an older gentleman now, I bought one of those grabbers. You know, the little, oh, yeah. uh, you know, hook thingies that all the, uh, the you know, that used to be on the infomercials. And that's how I <laughs> plan to uh, hand out Halloween candy today to all the, uh, all the kids. That's the way to do it, man. You gotta be, you gotta go the extra mile because just like we are in Illinois here, we're doing our best to kill the economy. I mean, kill the disease. I keep messing that up. Well, oh. no, they tried to kill Halloween, and uh, the hippies couldn't get away with that. So at least we got that going for us. Yeah, we're not allowed to have uh, get-togethers over six people for uh, Thanksgiving. So I just like to announce now to all my guests. I hope you don't have to count uh, your turkeys as people, uh, Dennis, or, or you're in trouble. Oh, I gotta check the rules again. Well, getting back to the world of racing, uh, this weekend NASCAR is in Martinsville, and uh, we're do- we're doing three races this weekend. Got the Truck Series last night, exciting race, of course, uh, this afternoon. And once again, thank you NASCAR for waiting till after the show to run the Xfinity race, and then tomorrow the Cup Series. But last night, exciting uh, race. Uh, with Grant Enfinger, who needed a must-win uh, to get into the playoffs at Martinsville last night, did that and uh, won the race. So it's going to be Grant Enfinger against uh, Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffitt, and Zane Smith. And I, I tell you what, uh, Enfinger's been around the, the sport for a few years, and racing at Arca, Dennis, and that. But uh, Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffitt, uh, of course, uh, Brett Moffitt won the championship a couple of years ago. And then uh, Zane Smith, boy, those are some uh, young and upcoming exciting drivers, aren't they? That's the whole idea of the truck series. You know, I'm guessing that we don't get Johnny Stoddard, God bless America, to be running for the championship. You know, he's still my favorite when it comes to the truck series. But we've got some talent. That Sheldon Creed kid, all of a sudden he figured out how to race and how to get to the end of a race. Unfortunate that he had that kind of unforced error with a tire going down. It just shows how weird this playoff system is because he lost the tire, and that would have been it for him except for the fact that he'd already won a race. So he advanced. But could you imagine if that knocked out, you know, one of the top drivers in Cup who've been the dominant guys all season long, and all of a sudden, due to a flat tire because of, you know, just popping a, a seal, uh, they're all of a sudden out of the playoffs. It is crazy to think that that's how dangerous it can be to run at a short track like Martinsville where one little tire up is all it takes. Yeah, well, it's been a crazy season in general, Dennis, in the trucks. When you sit there and 
you know, we talked about the veteran with Johnny Sauter, uh, not in the playoffs. You got Matt Crafton who got eliminated early. Stuart Friesen is just having, you know, just a horrible, horrible year. He, the the year that Stuart Friesen is having makes Kyle Busch's year at Cup look like uh, look like a dream. So it's just, you know, there's a lot of drivers that uh, that we expected to sit there and go far and, and make a lot of noise that uh, that didn't step up to the plate this year. A lot of talent. We're seeing a changing of the guard as far as the strong teams in the truck series. It used to be whoever showed up in Kyle Busch Motorsports equipment was going to be the guy that you favored along with Thor uh, Sport to run for the championship. But now you got GMS, you got Nice, you've got these teams that are emerging. This was the whole idea behind the truck series was to develop new teams, and it's great to see it finally happening again after a lull where it was two teams totally dominating the sport. Now you've got a lot of different teams that are able to compete, and you've got all three brands in the championship run as well. And Brandon Finger, my goodness, what a performance that he put on last night. He didn't have the fastest truck, but he probably had the, the, the most guts going for it. I almost said something else to get to get you guys a fine. That guy, he he just showed that he wanted it more than anybody else and got it done. But if that tire problem had not happened for Sheldon Creed, I don't think Grant Enfinger would have had a chance. Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's a... I agree. And I think that it was funny, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it, Steve, you know, with uh, when you said that Enfinger's been around a couple years. Uh, when you look in the uh, at the post-race interviews and you look at him, he actually looks mature. And then you look at Zane Smith and it's like, you know, <laughs> this kid is still in, you know, it looks like he's still in high school. Um, you know, you want to you want to check his ID at, at the lunch counter. Um, but uh but yeah, that uh, it, it it should be one heck of a race down in Phoenix with those four. And, and I don't think uh, one of them is shaving yet. I think that's the that's the big key. Is I, I think uh, Zane Smith. I don't think has started shaving yet. And uh, some of these guys don't look like they need to shave more than like once a week. But uh, Grant Enfinger has been around. He's an old school guy that's you know done it on his own, not because of a big you know paycheck that are a big check that he can write. He's kind of raced his way up old school and been able to find a little sponsorship to keep his career going and, you know, had enough money to, to get a chance. And he's showing what he can do and, you know, doesn't have the best equipment, but that short track mentality or, or racing mentality that served him well at Martinsville could serve him well at Phoenix as well. You know, Dennis, uh, I, I want to talk about Ben Rhodes, who's been hitting everything he can and, and more so, and then also some of the moves some of the drivers have been making, not only in the truck series, but also the Xfinity series. And, you know, of course, we always call ourselves old school guys, but there was always kind of a, you know, I don't like the unwritten rules of baseball too much, but there were some unwritten rules in, in NASCAR. And, and one of them was you, you never really take re- retaliation against one of the quote unquote, like dangerous tracks, whether it's Atlanta, California, Texas, you know, one of the fast tracks where if you take a guy out, you can get the guy hurt. And I, I saw that last week in Texas and I, I, I don't know, you know, something, you know, 
things that might have been said that we don't know about, but I, I definitely think they should have been. But what, what, what's your opinion on, on some of the what's, I guess, it's just a, a obvious lack of respect with some of these younger drivers? Yeah, you, you nailed it on the head there about the, the old school rules. You know, long before, you know, safer barriers and Hans devices, it hurt to crash at a track like that. And it was more deadly to crash at a track like that. But all of the talk about how tough the Intimidator was and how he would rough people up, I never saw him hook a guy at a mile and a half or two mile or two and a half mile track. If he was going to nail you, he was going to get you at a short track. Yeah, back then you could still hurt a guy, you know, taking him out in a short track. He was going to rough you up. He was going to do it in a short track. There was no absolute reason that NASCAR can convince me on that Ben Rhodes should have been racing last night. He should have been sat down for a race, and, and that example would carry a long way. The fact that we don't suspend drivers ever in this sport because all it does is encourage more bad behavior. And then he showed it last night. He was willing to, again, make a really dirty move to try to rough some guest buddy up because he needed that win. It was so wonderful to see karma bite him in the butt. Yeah, it really was. I tell you, Jeff, Jeff, let's take a quick break here. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're running behind here. Let's take a quick break here because I want to talk to De- uh, Dennis about the driver development controversy that's coming up regarding Toyota and Tony Stewart here. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, Steve Zotti, along with the Polish pipe bomb Jeff Orlowski, and Dennis Michelson joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And Dennis, I want to mention uh, to you, we were going to talk about this last week, and we just ran out of time, but uh, Tony Stewart mentioned uh, about uh, Ford, and with, with them signing a Chase Briscoe. Uh, he said, quote, uh, I think Ford's done an awesome job with their driver development program. I think there's not a lot of drivers in it, but the main reason is there's not a lot of drivers in it. They put a focus on a small group of drivers versus one of the other OEMs out there. And that was a, a veiled shot at, at Toyota. And, uh, you know, I've been critis- critical of some of the driver, not only OEM uh driver developmental programs but also some of the teams too where you know these drivers young drivers get committed or get signed to a team or a manufacturer and they're very limited on what they can do if things aren't working out it's not it's there's not a there's really no parachute for them is there uh if things uh, get a little upside down for them calling it driver development programs with the way it's being done nowadays and over like the last 15 years is an absolute joke. The closest to a real driver development program is Ford. Um, That's why it's such a few number of drivers that they put on, as I like to call it, their driver development charm bracelet. Because the rest collect drivers and give them such little amount of money that unless they have daddy signing a big check or they have the commitment 
of a major sponsor, that driver development money from Toyota or Chevy, it, it doesn't do anything for them. You know, maybe pays their travel expenses to get to the race. I mean, that's how pitiful it is. You know, years ago, there was actual driver development. The guy did well at the short track. He might get a chance to come up and race three or four truck races. If he did well in three or four truck races, he might get a full-time job at the truck races. And only bring in, like, partial sponsorship or almost no sponsorship at all. And he could work his way up the ladder. You could see a Matt Kenseth who came to, to uh, the Charlotte area with nothing except for a car to dream and a, and a great crew chief. And all of a sudden, he got put down, got a little sponsorship money, then got a chance, Roush signed him, matched him with a sponsor, and a career is born. Now what you have is you have teams that are willing to say, oh, yeah, Toyota wants to sponsor you. And it's such little amount that when they get done with the whole song and dance, they try to finance the guy's career for the first three years of driver development. And it can cost these families a ton of money if they don't already have a sponsor lined up for that ride. So calling it driver development nowadays in NASCAR, absolute joke. Same thing in IndyCar. If you don't win your money through scholarships, through the road to Indy program, at least they've got that. Most of the drivers that are getting to the elite level in IndyCar are only there. Yeah, they got talent, or they wouldn't even get a chance. But they're there because they were able to sign a big check or bring a sponsor who was able to do that. There is no real driver development that can take a guy with no money and turn him into a star like happened with Dale Earnhardt years ago. That doesn't exist anymore in today's NASCAR. Yeah, but Steve, don't you think that... uh... You know, if you had the choice of doing it for its way, and, you know, we've talked about it this season in the Xfinity Series where, you know, especially at Dega and Daytona, and they only have two trucks or two cars out there, and it's Briscoe and Cindric who are, you know, both, uh, you know, phenomenal, highly talented, and, uh, you know, are either going to make the jump to Cup next year or the year after. But, um you know, but they're at a disadvantage because they don't have as many people helping them uh, on the track. Don't you think that if you had the money and you were Toyota, you would be doing it the way that Toyota is? Because now, say Cindric gets hurt, or you know Briscoe gets hurt, or you know something happens to him, and and now your your list of replacement guys uh, is is very very small. You know, don't you think that Toyota's kind of doing it the right way by? Uh, because they don't have much to lose. Like Dennis said, these guys all got to bring their own checks. And so, you know, you just you increase your stable, you've got more chances of somebody panning out. Well, I, I think I think the criticism that Stewart was leveling in, and, and, and I have in the past is these guys get signed to these programs, and it's almost like a roller coaster. Once you get on this thing, there's no really way to get off of it until your career is pretty much essentially over. And I think that's where the criticism is where – Okay, I you know we we understand the business of, of motorsports. You have to produce in that, but and, and we've seen this. I, I was very critical, and I've been very critical in the past, even though it's not really around anymore. With the Chip Ganassi was signing all these stock car drivers like Brian Clawson and and, uh, and other drivers to these driver development programs, and and he'd get three or four races in a, in a year, year and a half, and that's hardly not really enough time 
to re really show what you can do. I mean, let's face it, you know, drivers develop at different rates. But the other thing, too, is the lack of testing in all these sports, Dennis. And it's it's yeah. not like, you know, in the past where, okay, you might do a couple races, like, like, like you mentioned, but you could also race at Milwaukee here or you could race at Chicagoland and get your laps in and, and, and you could work with a chief mechanic and understand the cars more and understand what they're doing. These guys are getting thrown into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, and they're actually going and jumping into races at the truck series and at the Xfinity Series on tough tracks like Darlington without any previous experience. You know, it's, in the old days, meaning three years ago or two years ago, NASCAR wouldn't even let you on the track to qualify unless you had proven that you could get around the track in practice. Plus, they allowed rookies to have a, a certain number of rookie tests at other tracks. When they did away with testing altogether, it led to rookies being more unprepared than ever before. So why bother to have a driver development program where you can let somebody else develop that guy for you? And as he gets good and there's nowhere for him to go in that brand of car, you can then try to sign him. Because most of these guys do have an out in their contract that after a certain number of years, as part of the driver development program, if there's no home for them at the higher level, they, they have a way to get out of that deal. But, you know, if you want to think that, if you want a realization of how crazy driver development has become in NASCAR, remember a few years ago when uh, Kimi Raikkonen, a Formula One champion and star between rides, tried to come and race in the truck series, and it cost him $350,000 to go race, to test and go race for three races. Remember uh, the motorcycle dude, you know, the greatest motorcycle racer of all time. When he wanted to, uh, Ricky Carmichael, when he wanted to come and race in stock cars, he spent over a million and a half bucks to get his development in. Big name stars like that, and nobody's willing to spend money on them? So don't tell me that there's a real driver development program out there. The closest is for Chase Briscoe is getting a chance, and this was a kid who just couldn't buy his ride. But it took him a while to catch on and get a chance, and he's only getting it because he's an incredible talent. But that's the state of driver development right now in racing because it's too costly to develop a driver. Why not just grab one that's already developed? We'll be taking a quick break here in just a moment, uh, but, but before we go, Dennis, let's get your picks for the Xfinity Series and Cup Series. Boy, oh boy, on the Xfinity side, I'm, I'm just picking Algar. I, I think that's just a sentimental pick with me at this point. And uh, on the Cup side of things, I'm going to pick Martin Truex Jr. to get it done. Martin Truex. Good pick. He's won the last two at Martinsville. Yep, and he needs it too. So I'm, I'm looking at that as, uh, as my pick, uh, pick clinic out there, Martinsville Speedway. All right, very good, Dennis. Thank you so much. And what's the latest at fakepigskin.com? Oh my goodness, We're trying to keep teaching people that uh, fantasy football is a weekly game, and you need weekly stats. We got some of the best over there. It really breaks things down and find those waiver wires. Uh, before everybody else finds it.
Dennis. Uh, you know, while I have you on the line here, I got a quick, I got a fantasy football question. Uh, yep. Marquise Brown or Cole Beasley this week? Both Ooh. facing tough defenses, Pittsburgh yeah, and New England. If, if it's PPR, I would take Beasley because he's been a bit of a beast. He'll get you at least three or four catches, and that adds up in a hurry in PPR. If it's not PPR and you're looking for an upside guy, go with Marquise Brown because he's got the best potential to put it in the end zone. I agree with you. That's what I have. That's what I picked. So I like the way you're thinking. Dennis, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right, guys. Take care now. All right. Well, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got the latest in IndyCar uh, racing news next on the Final Inspection Show. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.